Hello and welcome to another edition of Flashpoint. I'm your host, Ryan Mills. According to estimates by the American Petroleum Institute, from 2010 to 2030, over 400,000 jobs in the oil and gas industry will be filled by African American and Hispanic workers, comprising one-third of the total workforce. Not only will the growth in the oil and gas industry offer jobs working directly for major companies, but minority-owned businesses can reap benefits from contracting opportunities. Today I'm joined by Paula Glover, President and CEO of the American Association of Blacks and Energy, to discuss the impact the current energy market has on its members and the black community overall. Paula, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Paula, could you start by telling our listeners a bit about yourself and your background, how you came to lead the AAB? Sure. Um, I started in this industry over 25 years ago, which I hate to say out loud, Um, and I've spent a chunk of my career working in um, the natural gas distribution LDCs, um, local distribution company in Connecticut. Um, and in, in that role, in that organization, I did everything from customer service and credit and collections, um, economic development and community outreach. And then I moved into the electric utility industry where I was focused on government affairs and regulatory affairs. And, and most of my time was spent working with state public utility commissions. Um, but during my entire career in the industry, I was a member of this association um, probably within the first two years of my kind of joining the world of work. Um, and I volunteered for the association for several years. I was a member of the board of the association. And then in 2010, um, I was hired by my former, a mentor of mine and former CEO um, to be the director of communications and then moved on to operations and have been in this role as the CEO for now just about five years. Um, So I often tell people that I have been a member of Abe for more than 25 years, um, but I've worked for Abe as an employee for about 10 and this is just an organization that has been um, a big part of my life for a very long time. That gives you a unique perspective then. It, it does. Um, I am, someone noted to me last week that I would be described as an energy nerd, <laughs> and I am. Um, I've always been, I wasn't fascinated by the industry until I started working in it. And the more I learned about um, what this industry did and the impact that this industry had on people's day-to-day lives, and a lot of that learning came from the things that um, Abe offered to its members, the more I really enjoyed it. Um, and has made me very hesitant about leaving the energy business to do something else because I'm just really interested in it. Um, and what I've found with a lot of my members is they've shared that same sense of hesitation that they'll get an opportunity, but people think twice about, I don't know if I want to leave this business because mm-hmm. this is a really great business to work in. And so in this role, I'm always excited about sharing with audiences and young people about what an interesting industry we really are in and why people should be engaged in it. Absolutely. Your mission states that AABE is dedicated to ensuring the input of African Americans and other minorities into the discussions and developments of energy policies, regulations, R&D technologies, and environmental issues. In what ways are you accomplishing that mission? You know, we are accomplishing it in multitudes of ways, lots of ways. The association was founded over 40 years ago on this premise that African American communities, people of color, low-income communities needed to be involved in the policy discussions around energy um, because it impacts our day-to-day lives. And 
you know, there has always been a kind of narrative that people aren't interested in energy, that, you know, people have lots of other things that they are concerned about and should be concerned about. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but what I would challenge us to think about is the fact that energy as an industry is the underpinning of this economy, period. And without it, whether it's oil and natural gas or electricity, if we don't have those those resources, um, the other stuff that we care about doesn't even work. Um, and so as an association, we do lots of things to accomplish this mission, one, just by educating communities around the issues. And as an association, we look at various issues and its impact on people, and typically on the impact on the least of us. Um, those are the ones that, those are the individuals that I, I believe personally we need to um, prioritize um, because I think then the success rolls up from there. So we, we do a whole series of working groups and public policy positions. We do webinars. Um, we will do Capitol Hill briefings. We will do um, outreach in communities and visit different cities and towns and talk with um, community members about the things that are important to them as well as why does energy matter, um, and really work very hard and probably most of our time is spent just trying to inform and educate people about the nuances around public policy. And, and I'm, as I'm sure you're aware, when you work in public policy, nothing is ever cut and dry. Nothing is ever really just good or bad. There are lots of little nuances that people have to consider when they're making decisions. And we are driven as an association to ensure that there are not unintended consequences as a result of those decisions because we weren't thinking about all the other impacts that may um, apply. The other thing that we do though as an association is that we are always trying to encourage uh, African-Americans and people of color to become a part of this, employ um, this industry as employees, to do business with this industry because there is some economic stability and, and it gives you an opportunity to not only grow your business, but provide stability and economic stability to the people in the community, the people that you hire, the people that they do business with. Um, and we also encourage students to look at energy as um, an opportunity for them in their careers. And I, and I would say that probably our biggest challenge is how do we change the narrative about who we are as an industry? Um, because the narrative of this industry is not necessarily positive. Um, the narrative of this industry isn't even necessarily interesting. And so when you're talking with young people about um, the energy sector, their natural reaction inclination may be to think that it's you know it's boring and it's old and you know there's no there's not a lot of technology and and all these things that those of us who work in the industry know is absolutely not true um and so you know over the years in particular when i talk with students um, or with organizations who are talking to students i will share with them that we need to use words like innovative um, we need to use words like global community um, we need to use words around technology because that's what students are interested in, but that also is, they are very valid descriptors of the work that we do. And so we need to paint ourselves in a different light. Um, and we need to talk about the positive things that we do. Um, and we need to be smart and strategic about what our, what our real impact can be for folks and, and, and families. Um, I have a colleague um, and he will often say, you know, this is an industry, if you have a career in it, that can put you in the middle class. Mm -hmm. We're one of the few industries um, where you still see people who have worked in the same organization 25, 35, 40, 45, 50 years. 
Um, and so for people who are looking for opportunities and they want that level of stability, it's there. For people who are looking for opportunities that say, you know, I would love an opportunity to travel the world um, and see, you know, even some of the most remote places in this earth, this is an industry that provides that. I want an opportunity to manage climate change and, and be good for our environment. This is an industry that does that. Um, I want to be in an industry that's going to allow me to help people to have comfort in their day-to-day lives and improve their quality of life. This is an industry that does that. And so it is, it's certainly my opinion that when we change the narrative about the work that we do, um, we will find that we are far more appealing to a whole host of audiences um, who would be interested in participating in this industry as employees, as well as business owners, or just supporting the work that you do. I want to stay right there on the careers and opportunities. Um, The growth of our industry, opportunities are rising in all fields of energy, from scientists to engineers to craftsmen. There are an ample amount of jobs that need to be filled. Some careers require solid science, tech, engineering, mathematics, or STEM background in order to attain them. Uh, Has AAB been advocating the importance of STEM, and how can our companies reach more African-American students already studying in STEM fields? Sure. So AAB as an association has been advocating for STEM for probably 40 years, for as long as we've been in existence, um, because we recognize how important STEM fields are, and quite frankly, because so many of our members are STEM graduates. They're engineers, they're biologists, they're chemists. Um, I, you know, ironically and probably, you know, on the other side, because I didn't have a STEM background, although I liked it. And so we spent a lot of time with students um, sharing with them why STEM is important. Not just for this industry, though, right? There's a lot of things um, that as, as you're a student, and when we think about when we were students, you take classes and don't really understand what the practical application of that class is. Um, and so, you know, my for me, when I was a student, I remember taking trigonometry. Um, and I did well in trigonometry, but I had no idea what the practical application of trigonometry was until I met a welder. And then he explained it to me, and my first reaction was like, oh, that's why it's important to understand what the sign of an angle is. And he was like, yeah, that, that's, that's why. That's how I can look at this problem and um, come up with the, the mathematical equation or response um, on a piece of paper while you would have to go to a computer and plug it into something because mm-hmm. you just don't remember the mathematics. Um, and so I think this is an industry when we, when we encourage students to participate in STEM, there's very practical application um, of STEM, certainly in the energy industry, but in lots of industries. And so part of what we do when we're talking with students is that we are encouraging them to pursue STEM, and we certainly have um, a greater interest in that they pursue energy. But when I talk with students, I will say to them, for example, if you have an interest in being a beautician, you're going to have to understand chemistry, right? Because all of that is around you know, doing color and all these chemicals. You need to understand that, that makeup. Um, and so talking with students about how STEM is something that impacts their day-to-day life, that is why it is important. And that a lot of careers require it, whether it's computer science, whether it's you want to be a plumber, whether it's you want to be an engineer or a welder. I think we need to find a way to make it not so unattainable um, and, and something that's almost mysterious when it really is you know, something that we all have to deal with. I think organizations that want to engage with students, particularly African-American students, need to look at those schools and universities that support African-American students in STEM. 
And I would always say you start with your historically black colleges and universities, um, and then there are others. But engaging with those, those universities will certainly find you the talent pool that you're looking for. Um, participating in organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers is going to help you find the talent that you're looking for. Participating in organizations uh, like the National Organization of Black Chemists and Chemical Engineers. And there are a whole host of um, professional associations um, that have STEM, you know, leadership and individuals, members that have STEM backgrounds that can then introduce you to a network of people. Um, I think sometimes we limit ourselves to um, engaging with an association by saying, okay, I will, for example, I'm going to engage with Abe and I know these members will qualify for what I'm, what I'm looking for. And I would suggest that companies need to take a much broader approach. So yes, if you engage with Abe as an association, I probably do have members who would be well fit for the opportunities that a particular organization has. But I also know that my members know other people. Um, and so my goal is not just to ensure that um, there's a lot of professional development and career opportunity for my members, but how do I broaden the pot? And not just broaden the pot by young people, but also broaden the pot by people who are already in a working world. Or how do I how do you support programs that may help people who are unemployed or underemployed move into the industry? Um, but I, and, I, and I don't think that's without challenge. I also though believe that as an industry, we need to challenge ourselves about and think differently about how we do recruitment. Where do we look for people? How do we assess our requirements? Are our requirements things we must have or things that we like to have? Because all of that stuff kind of matters when you're making an assessment. Um, I think we need to look at what are transferable skills and that while somebody may not have done that exact job um, in a company like yours, it does not mean that they don't have the requisite skills that you can teach them the job that you want them to do because they have the right backdrop and right education. Um, and so um, for an, as an association, those are all things that we're constantly talking about in communities as well as with students um, because again, it's not just one size fits all answer and it is nuanced. Um, but it is very possible, you know, and I, and I appreciate your, um, you know, talking about the API study and, and this opportunity that 30% of the workforce will be African-American or Hispanic by their estimates. Um, and, and I had the pleasure of working with API when we put that report together. And what I used to always say is, and that's if we do nothing. The number really shouldn't be 30%. If the, Democrat, the demographics of this country are changing the way that they say that they are changing, 30% is not going to get you there, right? If, if the population, overall population, is going to be 50% minority, then we should be thinking about how do we make sure our workforce is reflective of the population of the communities that we serve. Okay. Let's switch gears just a moment and talk about a current public policy uh, sure. issue. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been a large push to build and repair our infrastructure, especially energy infrastructure in America. Can you speak to the opportunities that exist for workers and African-American businesses in the construction of pipelines and other infrastructure throughout all parts of the United States? So I can speak to it a little bit. I'm not going to say that I'm an expert because I don't want anybody to come back to me because I said something that's not correct. Um, I think what I would say, though, is that infrastructure, and we, and we all know this, infrastructure, our infrastructure is aging. 
period, across the board. Um, and certainly as a policy issue for me and as for the association, we want to just ensure that as policymakers are thinking about infrastructure, that they're thinking about energy infrastructure as a part of that makeup and thinking about how building out that infrastructure helps everybody, not just because we want to be able to use it. We want better pipelines, we want stronger poles and wires, but also because building out that infrastructure presents a whole other level of opportunities. And it's not just um, jobs in construction, because that's certainly one of them, and engineers and designers and all that, but it's also making sure that uh, minority-owned businesses um, have an opportunity to be the vendors and the subcontractors and the, and the prime contractors on these types of projects because when that happens, those employees now um, are also going to do business with other businesses. There's a trickle down that happens when people are doing well, right? When you have disposable income, use myself as an example, then I may go to the hairdresser more often. I may go out to eat more often. I may do some other things that I wouldn't be able to do if I did not have that income. And my ability to spend more on these other items then helps those businesses that I'm doing business with to also grow, to also hire other individuals, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that when we think about infrastructure, it's not just about the project itself. It's about the economic impact that those projects can have for all communities if we are deliberate in, in ensuring that all communities are part of the project when it starts. Well, Paula, thanks so much for coming by here and talking to me today. It's been quite enlightening. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.